Welcome to Moment Talk. I'm your host, Shisa Moa. This is episode 12. On today's discussion, we have a gentleman that was married for 15 years. But his marriage crumbled in front of him. He was contemplating suicide. He went to his backyard, had a handgun, and almost pulled that trigger. But there was one thing that stopped him. Besides that, his dad passed away not so long ago too. There was so much pressure on this gentleman. But listen to this story and how he came about and how he came and find himself again. Well, first, let's thank our sponsors. Let's jump right back into it. Today's sponsor is brought to you by She Sells Menwear. Are you looking for the latest trendy men's fashion? Look no further. She Sells Menswear carries handcrafted bow ties, ties, suit accessories, and everyday streetwear. They're your one-stop, mall-inspired men's shop. You can search them online at www.xixomenswear.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Hey, everyone. I'm super excited. We have Tuhua on the other side, and uh, he's here to talk about his personal relationships and his failed marriage. I'm super excited to talk with him. He has a lot of knowledge. Uh, he's a pretty high scholar himself, too. And how's it going, man? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me on the show and talk a bit about my experience and uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited. So uh, I see, see some of your stuff that you're doing too. So a lot of praise for you for entrepreneurship. Uh, it's not an easy job and role, but um, you've been doing a lot of good things and um, a lot of praise out for you for what you're doing to the community. Thank you. Thank you. Now let's go back. Oh, wow. You see, you've been married for 15 years now? Yeah, uh, about, I was married about 15 years, uh, divorced about three years ago. Your wife was not Hmong, she was Laos or Thai, am I correct? Uh, she was half Hmong, half Laos. So <laughs> uh, just a little bit of background about, did you want me to just give a little background about who I am too? Or Yeah, just a little bit about me. Um, originally, we came to this country, we lived in California for about 10 years, about 20 years or so, and then we moved up to Minnesota and then... I met my ex-wife out in California when I was still going to college down in um, Southern California. So I met her through online. We met, and when I left, uh, we started a long-distance relationship. So it went well. I really loved her a lot. Uh, we have a lot. I, I felt at the time there was some fit. Um, I think when I look back at it, it was more of feeling, but not more of future goals or future um uh, plans together. I was more driven toward climbing up the corporate ladder or in my career, and she was more t- traditional. She was set in having kids and having family and, and, ha- and staying in the Hmong community. And for me, I, I didn't, my parents were poor. They were not educated. I saw how my dad was treated in the community where he helped out a lot, but it broke my heart seeing how he was treated because he didn't know a lot of he didn't have a lot of education so a lot of people relied on him but he didn't make a lot of money and he we struggle a lot and that's why it's always difficult for me to kind of rely on the mom community on just my experience and probably not the same for everyone but see how my dad struggled throughout the years um i really wanted to do good my goal after high school i was i did very well in high school very big in government uh my overall GPA at the end was about 3.99, close up there, doing straight A's throughout the whole year. Uh, I was pretty involved. I was president of Southeast Asian Club uh, for two years, uh, did some very good campaigning and helped a lot of kids on 
uh, developing some scholarship, being able to take them to Magic Mountain for a few years, and um, well, well respected. And when I went to college, my goal was to uh, become a cardiothoracic surgeon. That was my, my main goal. And I shot high because I, it wasn't just my dream. It was also my parents' dream as well, my family. And I wanted to make them proud and was able to help them out of our situation. And I felt at that time I could do it. I, personally, I could do it, but when I look back at it, there was a lot of obstacle, and I wish I could have overcome a lot of those obstacles. But a lot of those obstacles were geared toward financial obstacles that you wish there were some other way to, to overcome some of them. And, I think if I held strong and kept staying in Southern California and pursue my undergrad and have gone to medical school either in UCLA or John Hopkins or, or um, USC, I think I could have become a surgeon. But um, I'm the oldest of seven and the oldest of um, of uh, my side, of my dad's side of the family. And I don't know, I have that obligation, that filial obligation when your father asks you to do something. It's hard to refuse. And it was very difficult for me to leave Southern California where I have a goal, that plan, because I knew that it was a struggle at first, but if we worked through it, I believe I, I could help them, but my father wanted me to be close to home and be there, and he missed me. He wanted me to be in the, in the community. and. I talk about about that with them, and um, I decided to leave Southern California and left to Minnesota. And at that time, I was um, talking to my ex-wife back and forth too, and we we really connected on a lot of similarities. And it, then I moved up to St. Paul, and then I don't know things start to fall apart when I transitioned over to Minnesota. Well, wow, I mean, quite the accolade and, and achievement. I, your dad should be very, very proud of you, man. I'm proud of you. You know, with, with that being said, your dad, you know, growing up poor and you, you are really the oldest son, um, that pretty much gives you a lot of pressure. Now, let's start with talking about the enormous pressure of doing well and representing the family. Please describe what that means and it looks yeah. like to you. Yeah, representing the family is being a good example, not just only to yourself, but to your sibling as well. And I know growing up, it was tough. We were growing up in Cali. And a lot of people could attest that we were living in the Central Valley. And that was like one of the worst places to raise your kids in the Fresno area, in Tulare area. And a lot of a lot of the kids that I was president at the time that were in my club, a lot of them were in trouble. They were trouble youth. A lot of them were ex-gay members. And, um, but I gave them some hope and they were able to do some certain things. But for me, it was hard for me to deviate away from being the good son. There's, there's pressure at times where it was overwhelming, where I felt like running away from home multiple times. And uh, my parents didn't really understand the American standard way of living or how to raise a kid in the um, uh, American environment. And I tried to be as patient as I can, but there were days where you just felt like, you know, is this really worth it at the end of the day? But when I look back at it and I look at my siblings, it's, uh, there is six others and if, if you are the oldest start to start that trend a lot of them will follow that trend and it was hard for me to even consider that and i battled through it and i was able to be accepted to six or eight colleges after uh, high school and i decided to attend university of Laverne down in southern cal and 
it was a trust a tough transition going down there. I was the only monk there, and it was the first time I was away from monk community, and I actually cried the whole week. It was just it was that emotional, <laughs> huh? Yeah, it was emotional. It was traumatic. It's the first time away from my parents, and um, I knew that I couldn't give up. You have to you have to set that example, that trend. No matter how tough it is, you have to bear it out, even if it's like home. And being the oldest, it's um, I tend to have done a lot of things on myself. It's hard to rely on people. You could, but at the end of the day, it's you that you have to answer to some of the decisions that you make as a man, as an adult. You can't really blame it on others. And for, for me, throughout my whole life, oh, there's failures and there's issues that have come up, but at the end of the day, I question myself and not blame so much on others. Yeah, others may be a contribute to it, but you as individual are responsible for those actions that um, have happened. And um, for me, representing my family and, and being good and being that good son. And when I moved to Minnesota, it was tough. Um, I got accepted to the U of M in St. Paul. And uh, I was on academic probation and, um, after the first year. And, my parents couldn't really, they bought a home, but they could afford it. So I ended up picking up half of the mortgage and I took on four jobs and going to school full time. So just to help pick up some of the um, bills. So. so let me rephrase this. You're going to school, you pick up mortgage, you had four jobs. You were married by then, right? I, I was, yeah, I was getting close to getting married and then getting at that point. No kids yet. No kids yet. We never had any kids. My goodness. I could just see the amount of stress on that. It's on yourself, you know, getting married, four jobs, you know, school, mortgage. Uh, oh, my goodness. I mean, that's just so much to to, to But it's for the ex- expectation. Am I right? Yes, expectation. When you're the oldest, my, my parents have always conditioned me mentally and physically. Like, I know my parents, my dad was very heavy handed. He hit, he hit us a lot growing up. And the same, he hit my mom too. So you kind of have to learn to accept certain things. And I don't know, for me, it, it was, I saw some of that, but I forgave a lot of that. A lot of it is just trying to be there for a family. Yeah, I took out four jobs and I've, I ended up uh, flunking out of the U of L, which was one of the toughest thing I ever do. I have never failed at every, anything in my whole life. And after I left the U of M, I diverted to getting married. And I thought getting married was a solution to help me get back on track. Because I talked with my ex-wife about my goals and expectations and at that time, I think when you add emotion into decision making, it just doesn't equate to, to what you anticipate a lot of the times. And at the time, she agreed to it because I thought that by getting married, she was going to help help me and help out my family and help me get back on track, get back in college and finish my undergrad and hopefully get into medical school and help everybody out at the end. But it never equate equate to that. Um, I rushed into getting married when I was 21. Um, I feel it was a cultural thing as well because I get a lot of pressure from my parents to get married. It's an example um, since I was the oldest and the oldest in our family and started getting involved in the community and with the community and, and stuff. And I tried doing that, but when I started doing that, 
my uh, my school started suffering too because every weekend we have to be out and you, out in the community and doing the function. You don't really have the time to come and do your your uh, work or study. So I I've I'll also contribute to why I feel out of the U of M as well. And, um, when I got married, we were very in love. Uh, I wrote. I wrote Paul, my song, but I was in choir at the time, so I had a decent voice at the time, so I was singing for her almost every time we finish um, talking a phone, phone call, we we'll go for two, three hours, and I wrote a lot of stuff to her. And That's probably why she felt for you, man. Yeah, and I, when I look back at it, I don't know, it's just, it was nice too, but when you pour on a lot of things like that for just all the single guys, it, it, it felt like it was never going to end, but there has to be more than just emotional love in a relationship. There have to be some kind of fit, some kind of match or some overall goal at the end. And we got married and it, and it was tough. Um, we had to go back to California and it was just me and my dad at the wedding. Nobody showed up because we didn't have any cousins there. What? So this is a traditional was, wedding, right? Not um, American. Yeah, it was a traditional wedding. And there was only one cousin to come and walk with the pila, huh? But nobody I, showed up. Uh, hold up. Your dad has put so much of his time to help other. It's, it's just, I would say courtesy to return yeah. a favor. It's not like an obligation, but you know, if, if let's say you're, I would love to these at you when you, in your time to come, at least to sure. give back my time. You know, I just, it's just my gratitude and it's my moral, right? Mm -hmm. It's not, a, it's not like a mandatory, like I have to do this, but I just can't believe that, that, that you got married. It was you, your dad, and Tupila. Three of you guys total. Yeah, that's it. They do Mikongna, like a cousin, distant cousin. It wasn't even a close cousin. So I don't know. It was very hard for me, but in my heart, I love this woman so much that I hope do that for her. You know, mm. Never, you look back at it. And, I, don't know. I see. I mean, I see that you love your ex-wife very much, and let's let's move on. Like about the middle of it. Let's say you're in your your eight seven years. You're you're still climbing corporate ladder. You're out of you. You obviously dropped out a long time ago. Yeah. Tell us where you're at then, right in the middle of the marriage. So like was things going I well? Dropped, yeah. So when I dropped out of college, I started picking up just regular minimal job, and I started working in a lab in a hospital in St. Paul and it was paying minimal wage and she she found a minimum wage job too and we were living with my parents and it got complicated it's just the way my mom set up and we weren't able to live with them so we ended up uh, buying our own home in St. Paul so we moved out and we bought a home and um, uh, we kept going at it and deep inside of me it bothered me because I know inside of me I could do more than what this what I'm doing and my wife, ex-wife at the time thought, it's okay, we had enough. But deep inside, when I look at back at the sacrifices that my parents have made for me, I felt I, I need to do more. And um, just reading the history of our history of the Hmong people how, with the war and the amount of people that gave their life up for us to be where we are, for me, mediocrity wasn't an option. I felt like I need to keep striving and keep going. And, now, you said, when you said more, does that mean like, Financially, uh, explain more. Is that yourself, I mean, more, like mental, mental, like or or yourself, or more than your 
your family at the time? Explain that a little bit. I think for me more is just um, being able to go back to school, finishing my degree, okay. uh, getting a job where because we're able to help build, but I want I want a little bit more to invest or something to go on vacation. Not a lot, but enough to sustain ourselves to do things that we want to do. And we were we made enough, but just enough to pay for the bill. And for me, after about five or six years of working minimal and doing two, three other part-time jobs, I felt it was time to go back to school. I jumped back and went to Metro State and got my, um, well, technically, no, I actually went to community college again to reboost my motivation because after I flunked out of the U, it literally killed me in my motivation and my goal for education. So I went to Inver Hill Community College, which is south of the Twin Cities there for for a few years, and I got my associates in business and associates in, in building inspection. So that helped prompt me up, and after that, motivated me. I went to Metro State and got my degree in biology, which was my initial degree that I was seeking for, and then a, a bachelor in um, business as well. And then after that, I, I I still feel like I could do more, so I went back and got my master and public and nonprofit administration through um, uh, Metro State. So I don't know I, I love education. It's just when because when I grew up, you were the oldest and you didn't nobody really taught you. I was a lot of self taught yourself how to read and write. And I technically didn't read and write till I was in seventh grade, to tell you the truth. Like in California, they don't really care. They just keep passing you throughout the, the grades because they just don't have the resource to really make sure you uh, comprehend the studies that they were teaching you. And I could speak and write, but I didn't really understand what I was doing half the time. Okay, now, so let's fast forward to almost the end of your marriage. Mm -hmm. Things are going sour. Um, I mean, tell me about your marriage at kind of the end and kind of your family, kind of knowing that things were not falling apart, things were falling apart. I mean... Because we got things, a, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think things start falling apart after the fifth year of marriage, to tell the truth. That oh, was when okay. you start, yeah, when you start to find out more about the person, individual, and what they're capable of or not. And it's not like I wasn't supportive. I try to be as supportive as, as I can. There were just certain things that I felt wasn't done equally. And for me, I believe in equality and both male and female on certain things. And um, just stuff around the house just wasn't getting done. And I would show her and teach her how to do and I mean, show her to cook and clean, but things just put up, get put on the wayside. And after a while, when you start doing that more and more, because I would just leave stuff out for weeks and it would get done. And we would get into fights and arguments. And knowing me, I wasn't raised like that. You have to clean things up. And after a while, it's just really ate at me. Just like this is the person that I love and marry. I thought if they love you, respect you, they could at least reciprocate. My biggest thing relationship is reciprocation. And I didn't see reciprocation coming back and forth. And after a while, you start to lose the emotion, the feeling for that individual. And um, I mean motivated her to go back and got her associates in business. I mean take classes with her to make sure that she finished her courses and that Wow, we have you really love this woman. <laughs> Yeah, and we at least have some commonality because I didn't think it was fair for me to have all this education and she didn't have any education. And because I knew communication is big in a, commu in a relationship and 
if I was speaking at a different level and she was speaking at a different level, it'll work, but there's gonna be some obstacle. And I feel like we should be at equal ground and at least find an equal job in something so we could have something to relate to. Or if we do have kids, we could uh, support them in that capacity. But she didn't see it that way. And she was, I know at the end, was very mad at me for making her go to school and picking up all these student loans. And for me, education is something that we value and um, talking to other girls. I never done any of that, but stuff like that start coming in your mind and then seeing your dad come over and doing the dishes or doing stuff that he shouldn't be doing. It was embarrassing. And when I bring it up, we always run into an argument. It's, it I mean, just how sure should be equal? I mean, that's a man and a woman job, you know? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I agree, and you're right about e equality, you know? I, I, I wash my own dish, you know? And you wash your own dish. But, hey, there's teamwork. We're like, hey, hey, hon, I need you to wash the dish too, you know? Yeah, and, and I think it's a, it's a partnership in these relationships. And if you can't do it, the other person to pick up and do it. And it wasn't just dishes. It was just like everything in the home, laundry. Uh, the, the only thing that I got to praise that she was good at was um, doing the taxes. She was very good with that. But besides that, it, it just wasn't good. She didn't fit well with my family in terms of communication. And um, when we went to outings, it was just always awkward. And she doesn't really want to stay there. And then when I go visit her family, it's awkward too. So even when we got married, my parents strongly suggest that we should, that I shouldn't marry her, that I should return her and at that time. I didn't feel that way because I, I loved her, this woman. And I felt that love would overcome your some dad, of differences. Because your dad was, or family was against you getting married to, the, to your ex-wife. Yes, they Correct. were. Okay. Both my mom and dad. And okay. I don't know. With at that time, you were young and you feel like, you know, love could overcome differences from the past, from the home country, but they were right. Um, a okay. lot of the stuff they did. Okay, I see. Now, with that being all said, because of, uh, because of expectation, do you feel that you were a disappointment to your family or parents because of the divorce? What were your family's reaction towards you when it was all said and done? I think for me, it wasn't so much for them, but it was for me. And for me, mm. the reason why it was so hard for me was I disobeyed them. And then I wanted to keep patching the relationship because I didn't want to look bad in front of my parents because they told me in the beginning not to do it. And I still did it. And for me, it was a way for me to lose faith because at that time, I felt like I need to live up to my word and my promise that I made. And for me, I don't know, my parents had had issues throughout the whole the whole relationship, but they always came back and tried to fix, patch things up. And I felt it was the same way because I thought we had some kind of understanding in the beginning, but it wasn't like that at the end. And that's the thing that I fear the most about relationship now, nowadays is that people do not want to talk about issues. They don't want to rectify a problem solution. It's easier to walk away than to talk about it. That was the one thing that took me away the most was uh, I felt with all the problems and issues that we all have, at least we run through this wall, maybe at least talk about it, but it did not. It, it's just, uh, she just walked away from the marriage and uh, you question yourself as a man on what you did wrong. And for me, I wanted to keep working on the relationship, passionate, 
and as a typical man, we tend to try to fix things and women tend to be more emotional. And if you don't meet a lot of their emotional need, uh, they tend to pull away. So I feel like as much as I tried at the end, it got worse and worse in the last six months as it was part of my life. Now with your, it seems like, I'm making an assumption here, was her love of just spending more time with her? Because you were working jobs and climbing corporate ladders and did she feel like the love that you give her wasn't just from you doing you know things for her but instead just would rather reach you i just sit there and watch netflix or something because that's her kind of love yeah but i think for her the biggest thing and i admit it too is not having children i think we tried to have kids and we struggled with that and um i had no problem on having kids but when you look at person, individual who can't take care of themselves, it's hard for me to have a kid with that individual. And I should have ended the relationship way earlier than I should. But it was hard for me to bring a kid into this world knowing that the individual, because I test around certain things on what she's capable of. I know I shouldn't, but I usually try to feel things out. And there's certain tasks where they like the idea of following through from beginning to end was not there. And for me, it would be very irresponsible for me to bring a kid into this world when the mother is not fully attentive where they like the idea, but the follow through and the hard work that goes into raising the proper child is not there. And that was the hardest part for me. And they, there could have been an ample opportunity where we could have seek uh, um, treatment, but I don't know. It was my fault as well. I should have told her to end it because I just didn't feel it was the right fit. But I feel like we've gone this far. Maybe we'll work things through. But time goes fast when you are you get older. And stuff that you think is just going to be a month or two end up being five, ten years. When you account in job, work, stress, it really goes fast. And Time went pretty fast. Um, I still remember my day of marriage just like it was yesterday. So um, things get away pretty fast. If, and that's a problem living in, in a, a metro area because you get caught into the rat race of things. And um, the only reason why like, we came to the conclusion was leaving the metro area into a slower pace of life and reflecting on certain things and certain needs and certain wants. And for me, it was clear, but for her, it was not. She wanted kids, but we, at the end, we tested ourselves. I came out okay. She was okay too, but knowing a little bit about biological processes, there's a little bit more complication to women's biology than women, than men. And I feel there were some other things that were involved on her side that she looked more deeply into. But when she got that result that she was normal, she just left. Uh, with, uh, she started to change within the next month or two and just left. So, yeah. I see. Yeah. You know, with the failed marriage, you trying the woman that you love, and it all failed. You went spiraling to a very, very dark place. How did you coop that? It's tough, especially if you're a guy that wants to do well and a good moral guy. 
uh, it, it's difficult. I think if you're one of those guys that plays around and cheat here and there, then it's not so bad to come out of that. But when failure is a big thing in your life and you want to set a good example, it does. Because after the marriage, I, I couldn't sleep in our bed for almost a year. I've been sleeping out on the sofa and I cried almost every single night to sleep and to help with it. And I have to, I started working out and I work out for at least three hours or more just to help me sleep because sometimes the pain could be overwhelming. Did you ever contemplate it like suicide? Yeah, a lot of times. Really? I thought about taking my knife out back to my dad's deer stand, ending it all a lot of times. I actually took the gun out there, but the thing that I didn't pull the trigger was my dog. I had two dogs with me and I couldn't shoot my dog. Now, let's go maybe more spiral than that. You recently lost your dad. Huh? I mean, you recently just lost your dad, right? Yeah. I mean, we're talking after a 15-year marriage, you were separated from your wife, and then recently, you're contemplating suicide, and even more recently, your dad passed away, like your hardworking dad. Actually, my dad passed right before I got divorced, and that's where I think I started falling apart, was my dad passing before that. And I think the whole situation would have been better if my dad was around with the divorce, but my dad was that one person that I could, he could go to, that he comes to me and talk to me. They help alleviate me out of issue, not just only me, but everybody in the clan. He was, the, he was more like the moderator or the psychologist that everybody go to when there's a problem or issue he tried to understand the full spectrum of thing and i think it could have been better if my dad was alive but what made it tough was my dad wanted me to help end his life too that was very difficult for me at the end where he was in the icu and he knew there was not a lot of option in going home and being taken care of in that manner was difficult and he had me drawn up the do not resuscitation order. And at that time, I felt it was a way to ease the pain, but his pain, but it wasn't for me. I was the only I was the only one in the ICU room there. And he had asked me and I I didn't fight him, but I had a long discussion with him for almost an hour in tears. And I asked him, is this really something you wanted to do? He told me yes. And and after he, what he had gone through, uh, sometimes tears can't wipe away the pain and sorrow. I see. So I let him go, and I still feel guilty to this day. I felt I should have done more to help him. I feel your dad should have been very proud of you. You know, you're the oldest son. You accomplish very much. You know, with all the accolades, and even though you can bring him a grandchild, I feel like he's still been very, very happy with you. And whatever between you and your dad chat in that hour, I could feel it was very emotional. And yeah. a, 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 probably a whole hour of very wise wisdom. And I know you had more, you had more than that hour. I know you have a lifetime of wisdom, but yeah. that hour was this, uh, 
you know, last few words um, to say to you? Yeah, it, it was tough for my father growing up to be, we had our ups and downs in relationship, but I think uh, I spent a lot of time with him at the hospital. He was sick a lot. So I was always there spending nights with him and translating for him throughout the years. And um, doing that last one was very difficult for me. And um, I don't know, it was um, when he passed away in the hospice and I owed him it. Um, it it, I don't know, it's, I still feel like it was just yesterday. And you feel more as a son, as the oldest, I think you feel at fault. And yeah, it was his decision, but when a individual is down to those options where I have offered him to come stay with me, but he had mentioned that he knew that my wife wouldn't like the idea. And it was best to, it was time to depart. And, even he could have at least another four or five years with him if he had taken the remedy to help him but um he did not see what he'd been through and um again his last word was uh, being in a relationship and not being given the love and reciprocation back is one of the hardest and seeing him going through war taking care of all his siblings at least 13 of them and struggling through life and with illness and ailment and still holding him so well to where he is. Um, it was hard to see him go. A lot of people did too. It was hard, very difficult for me. It wasn't at first, but I think it's getting better now. But every time I come to St. Paul, a lot of the memories comes back and it takes me a week or more to just decompress the emotion out of me or just the feelings from the past. And, that's why it's hard for me to come back. My mom wants me to move back and stay there, but uh, it's very painful for me to come back and rehash a lot of the old memories and certain things trigger certain memories and certain locations, certain people. So I don't know, I always break down when I see my mom from my dad's side. It reminded a lot, a lot of them. They, they always break down too when they see me and how I remind a lot of them. About them because when my grandma died, my dad basically took care of all of them. They see them as a father figure as well. So I know it's tough living in America and being an immigrant and struggling. It's not easy. So I know it wasn't easy for me at times. The struggle is real. Um, you know, let's let's move on to a very very positive path. Because recently with you cooping with, with a new hobbies now, right? Or like, yeah, tell yeah. us about that. I mean, how are you cooping this on the positive side? Yeah, I think you could only feel so bad about yourself for so long that I think that's what a lot of guys kind of struggle with. And uh, for me, it was a revolving vortex going down deeper and deeper because I could just keep sleeping on a sofa and crying every night, but I got myself back out and start working out at the gym. I usually work about three hours every day for six times a week, and two hours of weight, an hour of cardio, and training myself that way. And then I started traveling. I started traveling and finding myself again, and because I lost so much in that relationship stuff, that hobbies that I was doing before, right? arts and uh, music uh, and, and travel that I never got to do. So I ended up traveling 
um, doing um, going to concert, which I have not gone much at all anymore. Start dabbling back into the arts and photography, and I think the biggest part for me was travel. I think. Uh, where'd you go? Biggest, Where you, where'd you go? Like, have you I been out of the country? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me was my dad's wish for me when he was dying was to go back home, go back to the home country, go back to Laos. And I went there and I I didn't just go as a tourist. I went to volunteer and, and give my time back. And I spent about two weeks in Rupabang teaching English to Hmong and Lao and Kamun kids at Wad. And it was very fulfilling. It was difficult to see people living in that way. But my dad was right. When you go back and you see where you come from, you understand. Very humble beginnings. It is. So you make you think, you know what? The situation that you're going through, you know, it's tough. But when you talk to some of these kids or some of these um, adults that are finished college that are just struggling to make a living working in these rest- restaurants that are waitresses and wait- waiters, it, it was hard for me to those nights where I couldn't sleep or a lot of them were asking you for solution or option or how they could do to get out of their situation. And when I look at that and look at my situation, you know, yeah, my situation is bad. But when I look at some of these individuals, what they're trying to do just to make it through the day, it really changed your mind, your perception on what you have and don't have and what you should be giving back. So yeah, a big passion of mine now is just uh, when I go on trips and stuff, I, I like to at least donate my time, volunteer my time to, to a cause. And for me, it always been kid, with the kids. Yeah, I love that, man. I love that. Yeah. And for me, I grew up as a kid who didn't know much. And there was a lot of time where I just wish somebody would just help you or just ask you how you're doing. And you never got a lot of that. So when I look at all these kids, I see myself in the with, with With the traveling and your know, humble work, are you hiking too? Well, yeah, I try, I try to get get to doing that now okay. too. So get to hiking. Where you um, been? Oh, just just uh, I've been to Yosemite and just got back from Banff, Canada, not that long ago with my cousins. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I found a lot of passion in that too. You can incorporate um, photography, and then I think just being out of the moment or out of the busy stream of life and slowing things down and appreciating the smaller thing, it really helps you clear your mind and. Yeah, I grew up in a lot of urban area, but to tell the truth, living where I'm living, it, it's it's very rustic to where um, I live about three hours north of the metro. I live in the, uh, the rural area of Minnesota. I never intended to stay this long, but living up here and away from the Hmong community, away from distraction has been very therapeutic for me to recollect myself. And yeah, it gets lonely sometimes, but a lot of the people up here are very nice. And if you're a nice individual, They'll help you out like it, like your family. For me, there's I keep myself busy up here, and this time I reflect a lot up here because I have about 17 acres that I I work on, or I hunt and fish too up here, so that keeps me busy. So working in that capacity keeps me busy and not think about some of the my new things, and it helps passes the time, and it, it it helps myself personally grow and and learn more and develop more. Um, good relationship and I don't know as a young person it's great to have a lot of friends but starting to see it's not so much in the quantity but the quality of people mm-hmm. that you surround yourself with that will uh, alleviate you to the next level and 
this last few years, as I found this new church, it has really helped me regain my, my trust. Because after my dad died in the divorce, I swear that I would never go back to church or believe in God again. But um, I don't know, going back and learning how to forgive and move on has really been um, a humbling experience. And there's times where you don't believe it, but I don't know, going weekly to something positive really help enforce you to move on and not hold on to the past so um, yeah it's been positive in that retrospective and my biggest thing is just working on myself right now and if I can't work on myself I don't believe you should be getting involved with another person individual if you haven't cleaned up yourself you're just going to be bringing the same dirty laundry to the next uh, relationship now Today, tell me, what would you say has been your greatest lesson? And yeah, and what have you learned, discovered about you through this journey? Because you just said a little bit at the end about, you know, self-developing yourself, throw out dirty laundries and elaborate a little bit more. Yeah, I think the biggest thing what I've learned so far is you got to learn to take care of yourself. You can't rely on others to take care of yourself. And for me, I use that as a crutch to get married. I feel that, yeah, I failed and I dropped out of the U and now I need this other individual to help me through. And at that time, I knew instead of me, I could, but I feel like I could fall on somebody. But again, that person may have a different view, a different journey, something different from what you do. And you got to fulfill and believe in yourself and um, do what's best for you and be the best of you. And for me, if I have to bring another woman to my life, it's not for her to complete me, but to compliment me, to compliment my strength, and to help prop my weakness. And I should be reciprocating the same thing back. If you're a preach, man, man, preach. Yeah, if you're going to a relationship and you want that woman to complete you, then there is a lot of incompleteness to you that there will be issue that will be for me, I, told you, I hate dating. I hate doing the small minutia of small talks. And for me, I, don't, I like to find the right fit and right person. And I just don't like going out there and dating a lot. And for me, I don't know. I've been dating three years, two, two, three and a half years. Never been on dating. I have been the most happiest in my whole life. Where um, I'm not single it out, I will not be in a relationship, but I want to make sure that I, I'm ready and uh, uh, what I'm going through, I'm able to, uh, I don't know, help myself and not put that upon the other person. There will be some residual stuff, but I don't know, for me, there's just some things that got brought up at church about relationship. And the biggest thing that I see a lot in our relationship is we rush, that we rush into relationship and we don't think about uh, truly and uh, there was this up uh, this uh, model that was brought up in church called ram relationship attachment model where uh, the first step is you got to know the person once you know the person then you develop a trust once you start trusting the people the individual you start relying on them once you rely on them then you can start to commit and then once you have that commitment then you can start going into the physical aspect of thing and i think a lot of us run into knowing people and then automatically run into the physical aspect and admittedly i did that too where i didn't really build the trust and rely on the other person 
and I knew the person and I committed and then, then we got into a physical relationship and it was just a whole gamut of things that came up from that relationship where if I have to go back again, I wouldn't have done it in that particular way and manner is to at least learn about the person, about the strength and weaknesses and have more in-depth discussions on differences and similarity and how are we going to accept each other's differences? Are we going to be able to? And if not, then we need to be able to let go because it's, it's easy to let go early than to get into a relationship where you bring kids into the mix, which is the hardest thing you do is to put a kid through that. And, uh, I don't know, for me, it's just uh, be humble what you have and travel to a third world country, go back to where you're from and see how things are. And um, when you look at that, it's not so bad for what you have. I mean, you look at some of these poor kids just trying to survive or parents just trying to make it out for their kids. It really makes you second things think about certain things you have. And for me, that was the biggest turning point was to see the humble side of where you come from. And I believe if you don't know where you're coming from, you're gonna be lost on that roadmap to vibe and you're gonna struggle to define who and what you are. And going back to Laos, it wasn't on my roadmap to travel there at all. After my dad died, I did not want to go there. But um, I saw him in a dream and he told me to to go home. I decided to make that trip and it had really uh, changed me inside out on how I view things. Yeah. Good. Good. I I bet when you saw these kids and you're helping them, teaching them English, it really, really opened your eyes and, you know, it gets you very humbled where you come from, where they come from. Yeah, the biggest thing that I took away from that was these kids were not complaining. They were happy with what they have and don't have. And they were just trying to live life. Like when I come back to the U.S., I actually feel a little bit depressed. It's where I see so many people complaining about some of the most minute things and complaining about certain things. And yeah, there's issues, but, you know, if we kind of change our perspective on things, I don't think we would have such a divisive society what we have. And I actually thought about getting a job and staying there. It's just the whole mentality of the people mindset is just so different here in America. And yeah, it's nicer. We have good jobs and and good opportunity, but we just don't have the collaborative effort of helping each other authentically. Hey, bring that up. Since you mentioned that, uh, me and my friend, good, very good friend, is uh, we started a nonprofit organization. We built a school. And hinting, we're looking for a oh, teacher. Yeah. So we're looking for a teacher. It's back in Laos, in Alia. Oh. So just kind of throw that at oh, you. Really? <laughs> oh, that's so nice. That's, nice. Good for you guys. Yeah, this is a nonprofit that I work in. But, but man, it's oh, been good. a full, full hour of fun, filled, sad, and love yeah, about it is. Our, this topic. Um, wow. You know, I want to wrap this up and we can't thank you enough. Oh, sure. I'm just, wow. You know, with your relationship, your hardworking and then your, your marriage and your divorce, your dad passing away. I'm glad that you really started to find yourself and you didn't pull the trigger. Yeah. Um, it's, it's tough. For, yeah. It's tough for men, moment. I think men in general to, to come out and talk about some of these issues where we're always made out to be the tough one. And I gotta admit, I thought I was tough, but when certain 
I, I always thought I was going to live a decent life, that I have everything planned. I was one of those individuals who have benchmarks that every five years I would hit, but I don't know, life doesn't work that way as you get older. There's a lot more obstacles that you can't control or manage, and um, you just kind of have to go with it and be, um, be flexible and adaptable to the conditions. So, no, it's, I don't know, I'm actually pretty happy now, and yeah, I'm able to do a lot of things that I wasn't able to do, and and the biggest thing is just helping other people. It makes me feel much more happier than than um, just I don't know spending on redundant items or supplies. So. Well, cool, man. We're gonna wrap this up. I can't thank you so much for your time, Duho. Yeah, no, thanks. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's so. fun. So appreciate that. So yeah, thanks for reaching out. Likewise. And they said no man doesn't express their emotion. If you could see my video, it was like someone cut some onions and it was very, very emotional. I'm glad Duhua has come out of this rut. He's out traveling, hiking. As you heard, he went out to Thailand and did some volunteer work. It seemed like he opened his eyes when he did that. And I'm so happy for this gentleman. And Duhua, I wish you the best, man. Hope you find another great woman one day. Or if you choose to stay single, travel the world, my friend. Travel the world and find happiness. Again, thanks. But lastly, let's thank our sponsors. Who also believes in building family values. She believes not only in investing in your future, but also investing in your present moment. Creating time and memories with your family. If you have any insurance needs or any questions, please don't hesitate to call her at the link below. Also, a special thanks to DJ Peter for using his beats. You can check him out at YouTube.